0: This is episode 147 of the IDRA Class Notes podcast. I think it is a matter of national security that we are educating every learner to his or her highest level. It is a matter of maintaining our strength as a nation, our preeminence in the world as a world leader. If we have an uneducated, poorly prepared population of citizens, we are going to undermine not only who we are, but who this world is as a global society. It is a matter of national security. And so I think
1: everybody needs to approach it that way. Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to IDRA's podcast. This is Aurelio Montemayor, and I'm going to be talking with my colleague and friend, Dr. Bradley Scott. We're going to be looking at education civil rights today and beyond. Good afternoon, Dr. Scott. How are you doing out there? Well, this is an ongoing conversation. Why do we need to consider civil rights right now? Well, uh, in fact, we
0: have challenged ourselves as a nation to make good education available to everyone, regardless of their race, their color, their language, economic circumstance, their ability to make it available to everyone. And that is a civil rights issue and concern. How do we make systems work in a way to serve all kinds of learners coming from all kinds of circumstances and needing to be educated in all kinds of ways to be uh, successful beyond high school as they go to college and as they go on into their careers, whatever they may be. So it's a challenging question. Sometimes we are still faltering on how to provide the right responses to that question or to do the right things, given the various diverse populations we have in our public schools and the fact that our nation is becoming more and more diverse even as we speak. And then how do we move ourselves as a nation to be globally competitive and competent with other nations that are, have these similar
1: concerns? Before we continue, I just want to congratulate you because you're our Equity Assistance Center will continue for a few more years, and the Equity Assistance Centers are quite concerned about these issues. Very much concerned, and in fact, there are 10 of us Equity Assistance mm-hmm. Centers around the
0: nation. The one that I direct here at IDRA covers Texas. New Mexico, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Arkansas, and yes, you're very right. We are concerned about what's happening in public schools and how the civil rights of kids and learners are being protected and assured with regards to their experiences in schooling. We are challenged uh, with different views of civil rights. We have historic concerns around civil rights in which Discrimination by race and by color and by language, by gender, is still happening in our schools. The sexual abuse and violence and hostility that we're seeing, racial hostility, the reawakening of these kinds of things in public schools is of concern. We at one point thought we had gotten beyond that. It hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away, but... On top of that now are these challenges about how do we make schools work so that all kids get good teachers under the leadership of powerful, dynamic leaders who are forward-thinking in terms of what public education needs to be and to ensure that the systems, the educational practices, the policies, et cetera, work to support success for all of those learners. And then we have initiatives, our government our Department of Education is very much concerned about. So everyone's talking about Common Core. What does that look like for a learner whose first language is not English? What does that look like for a learner who is well below grade level? Uh, what does Common Core look like? are sure, raising the standards alone is not gonna help. It's not going to help. Uh, we have the whole issue of ESEA flexibility waivers that states have gotten so that they report student performance in a different kind of way. But what does that mean for kids who have been taught a very narrow and limited curriculum. What does it say for how we're going to assess kids whose first language is not English when they're not being taught in a comprehensible way? Or children, learners with disabilities, what accommodations are really being made so that when they are being assessed, they're not being assessed for their disability or for their different language, but they're being assessed on what they know. These are civil rights issues and challenges and concerns that we're looking at today. This is a huge, huge panorama. What are some priorities that you see that you have right now. Right. Well, our, so our equity assistance centers under the new grant funding are focusing not only the general work that we have been doing to ensure non-discrimination under Title IX of the Educational Amendments of 1972 or Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but we're also uh, revamping our scopes of work to be concerned and focus on the initiatives and the priorities of the uh, department. There are five of them that uh public school folks should be aware of. One of them has to do with the President's My Brother's Keeper initiative and what that looks like in the context of public education. What's happening to boys of color with regards to discipline, with regards to school suspensions and expulsions, and their
1: overrepresentation? Well, what is the data telling us about boys of color?
0: Well, it's clearly telling us, and by the way, I think our listeners should go to the Civil Rights data collection that is hosted by the Office for Civil Rights. But you will see that uh, black boys and brown boys are not only being thrown out of classrooms more often and in higher numbers than they they represent in the general population, they're also being suspended, expelled, and assigned to alternative schooling structures or, or activities. And so they're not in the mainstream of what public education is like, and it means they're missing an awful lot. And the question is, how are those boys reaching the standards of the core? It's ironic that was a problem 30 years ago and it's a problem today. And it's a problem today. And it will be one into the future unless we are looking at it in more progressive ways of dealing with that issue. The other issue has to do with parental involvement and what that's looking like and what schools are, are really doing to open up uh, schools to parents and give them a voice and let them be really involved. You and I have had this conversation before. From a civil rights point of view, what do you look for? And parent involvement, so there are at least three things that I look for first of all, uh, do they have access do they have real access not only to the school but to the issues and the concerns of the school and to the uh, the challenges the schools are facing that they could be a part of and bring right. a power and have to in terms of their perspectives and their thinking as well as their working contributions secondly. Are there things set up in the system that automatically deny them access? So, for instance, if there are new policies that are being written and they're not translated into the language of the parents, or if there are new policies being promulgated and they don't take into account the needs of children who are disabled, uh, then you question whether or not the school board is paying attention to the civil rights impact of the laws, the policies they're promulgating. Or if all the stuff is online and they assume that parents have a computer and exactly. an online connection at home. Yes. And then the third thing I look at is when parents perceive themselves to have been discriminated against, what are the systems of redress they can use to have their, their concerns looked at, talked about, and reformed if they need to be? So do they have a way of making grievance when they feel that they or their children are in some way being violated, so that's really a big challenge you've got. Let me go brothers, on to some of these other brothers. Additions. Keeper parent involvement. What are some others? Uh, yeah. We have a whole discipline guidance that the office, of civil rights, is taking leadership around. It, it has implications on issues of uh, disproportionality that we see in schools, overrepresentation in, in the disciplinary actions. I've talked about. But it's even bigger than that. What about, is it like zero tolerance? Zero tolerance is problematic, yes. yes. But it leads to, for instance, uh, these guys uh, that are being overly uh, suspended from school also end up dropping out. And they don't drop out and just drop out. They drop in to juvenile justice right. systems and eventually into prison systems. So you understand how huge the potential community yes. impact can be. In fact, there's a pipeline almost that leads from school to prison
1: that we are concerned about when we started having these problems. Yeah, that's ironic because for fiscal conservatives, it costs a lot more to incarcerate than to teach. Absolutely. And so uh, we have to
0: begin thinking in different ways as we move into the future about these things that keep happening in our school systems. Because they do become expensive, they make no sense, and they waste lives in the process.
1: You know, a lot of these things that are imposed under a law and order kind of mentality actually create disorders. Yes, it does. Absolutely. And in fact, I think it's criminal
0: that we already know, and people begin making decisions about the number of prisons they need to build based upon how a child is doing in third grade. That's a horrible indictment against us in terms of what we envision for kids and their success in schools. Another initiative that we're talking about is collaboration around dropout prevention, and just what that's looking like in schools. We need to keep kids in school, but not just warehouse them in schools. Get them ready to graduate and competently go on to college. Not be remediated in the first two years of college, but do college-level yeah. work. And we need more kids of color, more poor kids, more kids whose first language is not English, and even uh, kids who are the dreamers. Yes. They have dreams for building lives for themselves here. You know, All of
1: those issues are civil rights issues and concerns that we're faced with. Yeah, because it's interesting. Sometimes schools will want to create a GED with a high school diploma, but the kids that are sent to that planet. Absolutely. You know, what's the data you have, for example, on the alternative campuses, those uh, well, disciplinary alternatives?
0: Yeah, so uh, here are three things we know, one of which is they are overly subscribed with a minority and poor kids, and particularly minority boys and poor boys kids. Boys of yes. Uh, the other is the recidivism rate. So... They do nothing to prepare these uh, students who are assigned to these alternative campuses to go back and be more successful in their ascending campus. So they end up coming back to the alternative setting. And then the dropout rates from those alternative settings if they're horrible in districts to begin with, they're even more terrifying in those alternative settings. It's ironic because technically those alternative centers are supposed to be full schools. With yes, and <laughs> you would be shocked at the amount of learning that doesn't go on in those situations. Yes. Literally, those uh, learners are just being warehoused wow. and kept up safe from themselves and, and each other. A final uh, initiative that we are concerned about and that the department has expressed interest in is this notion of, of teacher equity plans. They haven't Fully envision what that looks like, but clearly, they're talking about how they build teachers' capacities to deal with more diverse learners more effectively in terms of their pedagogy and their practice. How they develop and embrace cultural competency. How they, in fact, are being evaluated for their capacity mm-hmm. to be able to handle and make successful more and more diverse learners in public schools, no matter where they are. I remember a superintendent who called me from one of my states in our service area and said, you know, we have a lot of families here who are working in our plants and so forth, and their kids are in our schools. What are we supposed to do with them? And I thought it was a horribly strange question for a superintendent to ask, (laughs) and I said exactly what I said. (laughs) Well, under the law, you have to teach Teach them. them, and in fact, in terms of civil rights, you have to provide them with a comparable educational experience as you do for the kids who've already been in that community for for generations. And so your challenge is, if your teachers are not ready to do that, your question should be, what can you do to help me get my teachers ready to teach kids who are different across a number of different uh, dimensions? And so those are our challenges under the Mm -hmm. priorities, helping people to understand that not only must they have a new conversation about these kinds of issues. They must learn how to do new and different things to make more and more kids successful in their schooling experience so that they stay in school, Mm -hmm. get what they require. They get the challenging courses, they get them ready for college level work and for graduation from college and successfully moving into careers beyond college itself. Those are the challenges that we're facing. And then unfreezing regularities and practices and systems and what people do that keep
1: reproducing the same same kinds
0: of outcomes.
1: That's our challenge as we look into the future. When you hear educators say college is not for everybody and you know we've relaxed the regulations in Texas, they're looking at a particular group of children when they're saying that. Absolutely. And I always ask them,
0: so tell me, who do you want to write off? Since it's not for everyone,
1: Which group of kids are
0: you going to write off? Yes. And if that's the help you need, you can't come to the Equity Assistance Center for that. But you need to know that you'll be violating some students' civil rights when you think about that or say that, and then put that on the back of some learner or some group
1: of learners. You know, Bradley, you're facing some deeply ingrained things in the system. And as you said, if they continue doing what they're doing, they're going to keep getting the results. Right. Forget compassion for students and families, the economic future of our states and our countries at stake. It's
0: not only economic for me, Aurelio. I think it is a matter of national security that we are educating every learner to his or her highest level. It is a matter of maintaining our strength as a nation, our preeminence in the world as a world leader. If we have an uneducated, poorly prepared population of citizens, we are going to undermine not only who we are. But who this world is as a global society, it is a matter of national security. And so I think everybody needs to approach it that way. Thank
1: you, Dr. Scott, on that strong note. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to
0: IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.